This is The Fray Podcast, brought to you by thefray.com, a place for women who want more from life. Today's podcast is a solo episode and I'm going to be sharing with you 21 lessons that I have learned in 2021. A lot of these lessons I have needed to learn a couple of times and some of them really learned the hard way, but I thought it would be a nice way to round out this year by sitting down and really thinking about some of the lessons that this year has provided for me personally and I'm sure a lot of you will be able to relate to some of these topics for sure. Now, of course, this year, I think I feel like it goes without saying, it's been an incredibly hard year for so many people with the global pandemic, with the borders, the overseas travel, the vaccine, everything. This year has been a lot. There are some lessons in here that absolutely have crossover and relevancy to the global pandemic and lockdowns and homeschooling but I'm mainly steering clear of talking about COVID just because I think that there there are enough people out there talking about the pandemic. And I always like this podcast to feel somewhat like an escape from, you know, the news and the fear mongering and the actual real scary statistics and difficult conversations that you have in your feed from other platforms. So I wanted to make it really clear. I feel like it would be remiss of me not to say, of course, this year has been incredibly tough due to COVID. People have lost their jobs. People have lost their lives. People are really struggling not being able to see family. And I'm so sorry for anyone who is experiencing some of the heartache that has gone along with COVID. I'm really, really sorry to hear everyone has been impacted to varying degrees. So with that said, I have 21 things, 21 lessons that I want to chat with you about. Now these are in no particular order, but I am going to start with one that has been really, really important for me to have learned and to have lent into this year. And that number one lesson is the importance of having light content in my life. Now, even just saying light content sounds a bit funny, but there has been so much doom and gloom. And as someone who has a tendency to really enjoy personal growth and personal development, and I'm fascinated by evidence-based approaches and thought leaders, I have a tendency to lean into being more serious than I do light. Maybe that's not fair. Maybe it's not a tendency to lean more into serious, but I guess I'm absorbing a lot of serious content a lot of the time. And I do enjoy that, but I can't be in that mode all of the time. So for me, it's been really, really important to make sure that if I'm listening to a podcast, it's not always something that is designed to provide food for thought or help me to better myself in quotes. It can just be something that makes me laugh. And so this year has been that for me. It's been the year of trying to learn to enjoy TV. Not that I've not enjoyed TV in the past, 
but it's not something that has come naturally to me in the last couple of years. I guess because when the boys were really young and I was starting the business, I was working so much when they were asleep at night. And it just, I don't know, it never really occurred to me to get too into TV shows. It never really lit me up. I would always prefer a book over a TV show. But as I've gotten older, I've kind of wanted to get more into being able to relax and enjoy things that are an escapism for me. So this year I was like, you know what? I'm really going to try and enjoy some TV shows. I'm going to try and watch some movies because I feel like, I don't know if anyone can relate to this, but if you're listening and you're single, I just never think to put a movie on. But if I'm in a partnership, like, you know, if I have a boyfriend or a partner, I would, of course, think at the end of the day to sit down and watch a movie. And maybe it's because I feel lonely doing it on my own. Maybe it's because it's like, oh, it amplifies the fact that there's not someone else to share that with. Maybe that's been the case in the past. But this year, I've really made a concerted effort to be aware of how important it is to sit down and enjoy things. And I have. You know, this year, a friend and I watched Sex and the City from episode one, season one, all the way through to the final episode of season six and then the movies as well. Not movie two because movie two is bad, but we watched Sex and the City. I also watched Girls and I had never seen Girls before and I was definitely missing out. I really enjoyed watching that TV show. And when it comes to podcasts, I have shared this one before. Sentimental in the City is a Sex and the City podcast, which makes me laugh so much. And I've also been enjoying listening to other lighter podcasts. One I've listened to a bit lately is the Girls Gotta Eat podcast. It's not for everyone. It can be a little bit lowbrow at times, but I really, really like it. It's two um, women from New York and they share their dating escapades and they just have so much candor about them. Like they're really out there. I don't know whether I mentioned it, but they're comedians. So I find that funny. Again, it's not for everyone. I recommended it to a friend recently and that friend was like, that is a hard no. It was not their bag at all. But that's my first point. Light, funny content is important. Leaning into things that make me smile and make me laugh has been a really, really nice development for me rather than getting bogged down in the more serious stuff. Next up... This year, I feel like I have had a front row seat to some pretty extreme misogynistic entitled behavior and having a front row seat to seeing this stuff play out has really made me rethink my awareness of misogyny and what it means to be a feminist. This has been the year that I feel like my eyes have been truly wide open and really seeing things for the first time. When I reflect on myself as a child and a teenager and in my 20s and my early 30s, absolutely still, I think I had this real need to please the male gaze and I'm sure I still do because it's so ingrained in me. But only this year, have I really, really seen certain men that I have interacted with reveal this real entitlement? And for me, it's just brought this um, 
I guess this cascade of emotions to the surface of being able to reflect on certain scenes and settings right back to, as I said, when I was a child, a teenager, when I was a flight attendant and just realize how, and I've said the word misogyny so many times, but how misogynistic the world still can be at times. And of course, we've come so, so far, but there are still so, so many men out there who have this sense of entitlement and really do think that the world operates, the world revolves around them and minimize women. And it's a really ugly thing. It's a really ugly thing to witness close up. And because I have seen that, it has made me lean more into thinking about my role as a feminist and my role as raising two boys. And so the boys and I are having a lot of conversations about equality. Just last night at the dinner table, the boys and I were talking about this and I have pretty honest conversations with them. You know, I've spoken to them about the pay gap and how women still in a lot of industries are not getting paid the same amount as men. And it's so nice to talk with them about this and just hear their innocence. And so that's been a big one for me. Just being mindful of, and I've used this expression a couple of times because I just think that it is um, so descriptive and so eloquent at describing life, but it is the water that we swim in. It still is often a man's world, even though things have come so, so far. So important to understand the water that we're swimming in. Okay, next up, kind of in a similar vein. Number three, dealing with a narcissist is soul destroying. It really, really is. And if you have interactions with a narcissist, you're dealing with narcissistic tendencies, your self-care needs to be a priority. You have to work out how you're going to cope with that entanglement if you cannot distance yourself. Of course, in a perfect world, if you're dealing with a narcissist and it's someone that you can put distance between and step away from, that I imagine would be advisable. Again, I'm not a psychologist, but I imagine that would be advisable. But if you have to engage with narcissistic tendencies from someone that has to be in your life, you have to be so dialed in to protecting yourself. You have to, I think, imagine that you are like cloaked in some sort of protective fabric that just bounces their narcissism off you and you probably have to have a really good support crew and some practices that you can lean into when you're feeling triggered by this sort of behavior narcissism gaslighting coercive control all of that is so so intense and if you're experiencing any of that I cannot recommend enough that you need some professional support to guide you through this tricky time Number four, trauma bonding. (laughs) That has been on my mind so much. I was having a conversation recently with someone about a friendship. And this is a friendship that someone, you know, hit eject on. They bailed on me. And I'll talk about when someone hits eject on you in the next, in the next point. But trauma bonding is so real when people come together and they bond over something traumatic It can sometimes be the impetus for a great friendship or a great relationship, but sometimes trauma bonding is literally seeking out and repeating something that feels familiar to you 
even if it's not good for you. That's why there's the old, the well-worn, um, well-worn trope of if you have a father that has abandoned you, you might have daddy issues and then you might seek someone who can kind of fill that role. Or if you haven't been felt, you know what I'm saying, like there's just a lot to trauma bonding. And we will often seek a similar dynamic just because one, it feels comfortable, it feels like home, but two, there's some part of us that kind of wants to heal, heal that issue. So say, for example, you've always had a really strained relationship with a certain type of personality. You might realize that you're drawn to that in a partner. And that could just be because there is a part of you that wants to heal that wound. So just being mindful of trauma bonding and the official definition of trauma bonding is about abuse and when abuse is repeated you might just try and stay in that cycle because you have bonded with that person even though they're not necessarily good for you. But I guess when I'm using the term I'm also meaning it in a way that doesn't have to do with abuse or direct abuse or anything you know a different maybe a different level is the best way to describe it but just being mindful of friendships that are really really intense or any like relationships work relationships anything that are really hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style really intense and what are they based upon and making sure that they're balanced that it's not all just about like oh you know we've both got this one broken wing type of thing I don't know if that if that's helpful or if that makes sense the second part of that point is about when someone hits eject on you like if someone nominates to end a relationship or have a friendship divorce as I believe Dr. Rebecca Ray calls them you just sometimes have to accept it and let it happen. Even though there may be parts of you that really want to fight for, a, you know, to, sa- to salvage a certain relationship. If someone wants to hit eject, if someone wants to end a friendship, a relationship, a working partnership, as painful as it is, you just have to let it happen. And by let it happen, I mean accept, accept that it is happening and I think accepting it will get you to a place where you can make peace with it. But the first step is like, okay, I have to allow this to happen, relinquish control, surrender, let it be. Number five, number five, look for the helpers. Okay, I remember reading an article about September 11 and I should probably pull the article up, but It was along the lines of saying, how can you really cope or how can you make sense of a tragedy? There's nothing good that you can take from a tragedy. 
And this article was saying the only good thing you can take is that you have to look for the helpers. Whenever something tragic unfolds, there are always people running towards that tragedy, willing to help. And so in the case of 9-11, look for the helpers, look for the firefighters, the paramedics, the people on the ground, the search crew, look for everyone who is doing anything that is within their power to help in such a devastating circumstance. And that has really stuck with me. And I guess this is one of those through lines that can maybe provide some comfort if you are struggling with all of the division that has been happening online surrounding certain parts of the um, certain parts of the pandemic when it's really, really hard looking for the helpers. And that's been a big one for me in life when I have felt really sad and really down looking for the helpers. When I was absolutely brokenhearted and devastated towards the beginning of this year, there were helpers. I had friends arrive with open arms. I had, you know, someone arrive just to hold me that I didn't even know that super, super well, but was just like, I'm here to hold space for you. And I could just fall apart in those arms. And it was really, really, um, I don't know, humbling. I don't know if humbling is the right word or reassuring maybe is the right word, but looking for the helpers whenever something is going wrong and even looking for them when something's not going wrong, looking for and acknowledging and being aware of people that are helping you throughout the day is such a nice way to live. Just recently I was at the shops and I was purchasing gifts for the boy's birthday and also for Christmas and I had everything jammed into this one bag, like this one kind of um, fabric, you know, reusable bag. And a gentleman from a shop that I walked past came out with a massive bag and was like, here, put your stuff in this because he could see I was like juggling everything and I was spilling stuff and dropping stuff. And I thought that's so nice. Like here's someone who has looked out of his shop window and been like, oh, this bitch needs a bag. <laughs> and like he's bought one out for me. So looking for the helpers. Next up, number six, I think. Try something different. If you're not happy with the results that you are getting, try something different. Now, of course, this is not something I have only learned this year. This is something we learn all the time. And we've all heard the saying that, you know, I think it's the definition of, in, of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and respect and expecting a different result. But it's been on my mind this year. It's been on my mind in a lot of different ways. One way was with exercising. I just felt as though I wasn't getting the results that I was hoping to achieve. And so I've tried something different. And I can't say that my results are massively different because it's still only early days, but I can say my enjoyment level is through the roof with the type of exercise I'm doing. And I can see little changes and little results that get me excited and I just think sometimes we get stuck in just thinking, oh, I'll just keep chipping away. I'll just keep chipping away. But you have to kind of zoom out and be like, hang on, if this isn't working for me, is it a case of pushing through? Sometimes it might be. But is it a case of needing to pivot? So, of course, that's a very surface level there with the exercise. I can also say with work, that has been something that I've really had to lean into and in parenting as well. You know, school drop-offs there were still hairy for a while with one of the boys and what 
was being done wasn't working. So we had to try a different path and that has worked. And sometimes when you're in it, it's hard to kind of lift your head up and look around and be objective, but it's such an important skill to develop where you can actually assess your behavior versus the outcome and think up different ways or different things to try, you know, and even right through to dating. As someone who went, when I was going through a divorce, I always said I would never online date. I'm in the thick of it. Online dating is fine. You know, I've tried something different. Um, I've even gone on a date with someone younger than me, which is something I said I would never do. So just being open and trying something different, it won't always be the magic solution, but at least you're doing a little experiment on yourself. As Dr. Alex Korb spoke about in my episode on depression, on the upward spiral, you sometimes just have to be a bit of a scientist on yourself and experiment. Try something different. See what result you get. Number seven, be humble enough to know that you just don't know. That has been a real through line for me in the last couple of years. I have never felt so uncertain of so many things, but I think I'm at peace mostly with the uncertainty. Certainty and control were such big elements of my life for most of my adult life. And it's still something I deal with day in, day out. But I didn't realize until this year just how, um, how I guess, that my relationship, my attachment with certainty and control and how much that has changed over the last couple of years. And, you know, we always find ourselves thinking that we know for certain, certain things, <laughs> And it's just nothing like going through a divorce to humble you and put you on your ass and realize you just don't know. You just don't know what life has in store. So enjoy what you have. Enjoy what you have. Um, next up, number eight, personal boundaries. Personal boundaries um, to protect yourself are sometimes really hard. And personal boundaries are often not the fun thing or the most appealing thing to do. But I've had to really implement them as like a way of stopping self-harm, I guess, in a light way. I mean, self-harm should not be used in a light way. But what I mean by that is, you know, it can be very tempting to know that you have a soft spot and to kind of pick at that scab, to pick at that wound. And it could be like, say, for example... Um, I mean, I can give like a personal one, but I'll try and be more abstract. Say, for example, you have a business idea and then you realize someone else has that business idea and you find yourself continually on their social media page. Like you're just obsessed with what they're doing, how they're doing, why they're doing that. And it's taking up too much space, too much real estate in your brain, too much of your energy And you have to put a boundary in place and, you know, you have to stop yourself from engaging in that behavior that feels a bit like surface level self-harm. It's unnecessary. Same with, you know, if you've gone through a breakup, don't go and look at their Instagram. Don't look at their Instagram stories. Don't engage with them. Don't sleep with them again. All of those things that, you know, can be tempting to want to do, they're not in your best interest. 
And personal boundaries. I mean, to be honest, I've always been pretty good with boundaries. I think sometimes too good with boundaries. I'm too willing to be like, nope, I'm out. And that's a whole other conversation, which I got into a little bit with Dr. Rebecca Ray in our boundaries episode. But I've just been very mindful of like having systems, systems in place of what I will and what I won't, what I can and what I can't do to myself and for myself. Number nine, honest and direct, clear comms, clear communications always. Mixed signals, um, whether I notice myself giving someone mixed signals or more often if someone is giving me mixed signals, that is a no. And not just, you know, I think that that kind of sounded like in the dating world, but honest and direct and not, you know, clear communication in friendships, in work, in a romantic partnership with your children, you know, being really deliberate in the way you communicate with them and also standing by what you say, not giving them mixed signals, not telling them no, but then following through with a yes action. Really just noticing if someone's words align with their actions and also applying that to yourself. I've had to be really mindful of applying that to myself. You know, is what is the way that I'm showing up and acting in line with the words that I am speaking? Because if there is not cohesion and congruency between those two things, then I'm putting out mixed signals in whatever circumstance that could be. And that's not good. That's not kind. I've heard the saying clear is kind. And it's so true. So check yourself. Are you giving out mixed signals? Why are you giving out mixed signals? And why are you accepting someone else giving you mixed signals? Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Speaking of signals, the next one, number 10. I think we're up to number 10. No response is a response. If you find yourself in the position to be waiting to hear back from someone after you have been vulnerable or you've made a bid for their time and their attention and you're not getting a response, don't keep digging for a response, you know, unless, of course, they perhaps could be struggling with anxiety or depression. That's a different thing. But presuming or assuming um, that this person is not, just knowing that if someone is not responding, that is a response. And you have to be in charge of, again, personal boundaries with what you will and won't accept. So yeah. And again, if you notice yourself, like say someone's asked you something and you don't want to respond, like no response within yourself, like no inclination to want to reply, to want to engage, then maybe you need to lean on your clear communication and let that person know so that they're not left going, oh, they've not responded. What does that mean? But I think when the shoe is on the other foot and you are waiting, if someone does not value your time, your energy enough to respond to you, that's sending a message loud and clear. Next up, number 11, be really mindful 
of whose advice you seek and take on board. Everyone has opinions and it is great. I love having conversations with people who have different opinions and different hot takes on topics to the opinions that I have. But something that is so important to me is to be discerning with whose advice you are really taking on board. If you are, and I'm just, I'm going to give a very, very clear example. Like it's super, like this is real life example. Going through a divorce, everyone had an opinion on certain things. You know, people were like, oh, so-and-so had this outcome and did it, did it, did it, did it, and you're entitled, did it, did it, did it. And everyone had a story and like a very opinionated um, idea on, on certain things. And that's all well and good, but these people are not people that had recently been through a divorce or who understand the system. And so I found myself being inundated with unqualified advice on certain topics. And that can apply to anything in life. If you are having a relationship issue and you're going to someone who is never willing to look at their own involvement in a relationship or own their own stuff, they might not be the person to go and talk to because they're going to encourage you to point the finger outwards, you know, versus going to someone who has done a bit more work on themselves and is more likely to help you point the finger back inwards and help you to look at what you actually can work on and what is actually within your within your grasp it's the same with business if you have a great business idea be very picky with who you are going to share that with in the early stages you know you you're not necessarily going to get the most support or the best advice from someone who has a really low risk aversion and has never started their own business versus if you take that same conversation to someone who has a startup they're going to really gas you up and help you. So just be mindful of the conversations you're bringing to certain people. Again, you know, if you're seeking financial advice, you're better off to try and go to a financial planner versus your neighbor or your parents even if they're not necessarily great with money. Next up, fluidity. Fluidity has been a big one for me. I feel as though this is the best place I've been in in terms of just flowing with the the flux of sometimes I have the kids full-time, sometimes I don't. It's been a real jarring experience and I've definitely had moments of real whiplash where it's so full-on, like it's so full-on when I have them, particularly when school wasn't happening. You know, it is definitely more manageable um, and feels less pressurized when school is happening because I get that space to work and just be a human but it's so full on for like six days and then they're gone for three nights and it can be really extreme. You know, you can just think, oh, I so want to break. I so want to break. I so want to break. And then you have that break and you're like, fuck, I just miss them so much. And it's so lonely and not having that moderation has been hard for me. And because it's never the same days each week, I, I live around their dad's work roster. So it's always rolling I've struggled. I've struggled with that. But I feel like now, just for myself, I'm in the best place with accepting the fluidity. I think that I've dropped some of the resistance around just accepting that it is what it is. And whilst I can still long for wanting that stability of being able to commit to, you know, I can do this every Monday at this time. I've just 
I've surrendered, I've accepted it, and I feel most fluid within this arrangement. Next up, journaling. So important. Journaling is my best therapy tool. Journaling is your gateway to self-reflection, self-efficacy, development, growth, awareness. If you're not journaling this coming year, like 2022, maybe try and make that one of your goals. And if that appeals to you, like right now, pause this podcast and go to thefray.com, thefray.com, F-R-A-E, put your email address in because I'm going to have something available to help support you with that goal if it does align with you. But for me, just free writing has been so powerful and just spewing everything out, getting it on paper. It also helps me when I'm getting a bit spirally to put things on paper and then I can objectively look at things the next day. And yeah, it just gives me a bit of distance and a bit of perspective. And I also really love journaling prompts. And you can find a couple of podcast episodes where I have given away some journaling prompts. So if you're feeling stuck and you don't quite feel comfortable with free writing, you know, just sitting down and letting it all come out, you can use these prompts to see what comes up for you. And this has been so important for me because you know, there's been a lot of noise, a lot of noise this year, and it's hard to check in with yourself at times. So having that question where you can really sit and think and go, huh, what does that mean for me? Who would I be if I could write new beliefs? Who would I be if I was living a life aligned with my values? All of those things, so insightful, so, so, so massively insightful. And I've been really honest in saying, you know, I struggled a couple of years ago, with my identity when it came to no longer being a wife and no longer having the boys with me every moment of the day. And so many parents will struggle when their children go to school with this, you know, particularly if you've been at home with them the whole time, it's a real gear shift. And so journaling can be such a nice way to just do a bit of a temperature check on yourself. Next up, do nothing. (laughs) This is not always easy if you are a natural go person. If you like to be on the go, you like to be achieving, you like to be helping, you're a perfectionist, you find it hard to stop and slow down. It can also be hard if you have control issues, but doing nothing sometimes is the best thing. I have shared before, but one of my favorite quotes is um, from Tim Ferriss, and he was talking about how important it is It is to let the silence do the work. There are so many opportunities in life when we just want to dive in. We want to dive in and we want to save someone from feeling uncomfortable or we want to save our kids from experiencing pain or we want to make our partner feel better, our friend feel better, whatever it is. But there are times when you just are better off to sit in silence and hold space and do nothing. Next up, assess your behavior when you are feeling out of control. I know I said I wasn't going to speak about COVID and I'm not going to go too much into it. But when I think about so many people and their extreme reactions, I have so much empathy 
because right now so many people have felt and are still feeling out of control. They've really lost a sense of agency. And when we lose our sense of control and control is just all, it's all kind of an illusion really. But when we have lost our sense of control, it impacts us differently. Some people will retreat and freeze Some people will be enraged and want to take action and be emboldened. Is emboldened a word? I think it is. Um, You know, but I just think it's important to ask yourself, be aware, assess yourself. When you feel out of control, when something happens for you, what do you do? And I just think it's interesting. And I know for me, Exercise is one way that I like have a little bit of control over my day of being like, you know what, whatever else happens, I'm going to move. I'm going to look after myself in this way. I also have really noticed that when I'm feeling out of control, I have this tendency to make sure my space is as organized as possible. So if I have a stressful phone call or something that I'm dreading, something I'm worried about, I will find myself in my wardrobe organizing it. I will find myself in my bathroom organizing my bathroom drawers, you know, moving the children's bedroom around, making sure everything has its place. And that is me literally attempting to feel a sense of control. And I just think noticing that and going, oh, I'm doing this behavior because I'm feeling out of control in other ways. What do I need to do to soothe my inner child who is freaking out right now about not having control? And sometimes the thing that you are doing is perfect. There is nothing like really disastrous about going, you know what? My thing is making sure my books are alphabetized. That's fine. But if you notice that you have a behavior that is not as innocuous as tidying or organizing, it can be a big unlock into going, oh, that's why I do that. You know, that's why I have too many drinks. That's why I engage in harmful behavior with someone who's not good for me. Just being mindful. Next up, don't be afraid to go to an expert and seek help. We all at different times need varying degrees of expert help. I spoke about this in my podcast with Josh, who is a nutritionist. I think I'm pretty good with food. Like I have a good grip and a good understanding, but I wasn't feeling great. So going to a nutritionist and having him go, whoa, like, you know, I mean, you can go and listen to that episode where he goes into it, but just really having someone who is very educated and very passionate help guide me is really important. And it's the same with having a therapist who, you know, for a time there I was seeing weekly and then, you know, pulling back to seeing fortnightly and then three weekly, but just having a little think and just asking yourself, do I need some support? Do I need a facilitator that I can speak to? Do I need a psychologist, a psychiatrist? Do I want to do some inner child work? Do I need a hand with sorting out my lifestyle goals? Do I need a business mentor? Don't be too proud to go and seek help if you can. And of course, you know, in an ideal world, everyone has the energy and the resources to go and get that expert help. But if you don't have the resources, if you cannot afford to have weekly 
um, meetings with your psychologist or see a naturopath or whatever it is, don't be afraid to lean into the free resources that are available. Of course, you want to make sure you're listening to someone credible, but there are great podcasts. There are great audio books that will cost you, you know, a, a quarter of what it might to actually go and see that person in real life. So just don't be afraid to rally a team of people who are qualified in their fields to support you. Now, interesting that I've put this next point under that one about seeking expert guidance. And herein lies the contradiction of being a human. But listening to your intuition is my next point. We all have intuition. It's this inbuilt system within us. It is our brain making sense of past experiences and making a prediction of future experiences. It's also a combination of our tacit knowledge, which is that implicit knowledge that we have in our brain, like how we drive our car, how we get from A to B, how we walk down a set of stairs without actually thinking about it. We have so much knowledge within us that we're not accessing at a super conscious level. And we all have intuition, gut feeling. Um, You can call it whatever you want to call it, but just connecting with that sense can really be a nice way to just tune back in to yourself. There are so many things that stop us from tuning inwards. We are bombarded day in, day out with things that are making bids for our attention that it's easy to like turn down our intuition while we're seeking validation, seeking approval from outside sources. And so this has really been on my mind this year because there have been so many times in my life where I knew, I knew what I should have done, but I didn't because I allowed outside forces to penetrate and impact my decision. And I've kind of had enough of that. You know, I'm sure I'm going to keep doing that because that is life. We keep making mistakes, you know, and that was, you know, another one of my points is if we don't heal something, we just keep repeating it. We just keep repeating it until we get the lesson. But connecting to my intuition and really just being like, how do I feel? Rather than going, oh, I don't know, or outsourcing my decision. It's like, how do I actually feel about this decision? And I have created what I think is a pretty good resource on helping people connect to their intuition, which again, if you want to grab that, just go and put your email address into thefray.com because in like two, three weeks, I'm going to have something available for you specifically on tuning back into your intuition. So go to thefray.com, sign up. You'll also get our weekly email, um, our Fray Friday newsletter, but you're going to have first um, the first chance to secure this thing that I have, which is going to be available. But strengthening my intuition and just honoring when I do have those gut feelings has been a big one for me. Next up, acknowledging what I have achieved. It's interesting. It's, it was so much easier for me to write these lessons down, like going acknowledge what you've achieved, but these are things I've learned. I am so bad at pausing and reflecting and being like, wow, I did that. Wow. I made it through. Wow. Like just noticing I'm so much more comfortable with head down, bum up, just keep going. And there's part of me that likes that about me because I do think I have a good perspective on a lot of things. 
And because I have a good perspective and I'm very grateful, I am just like, oh, yeah, cool, one foot in front of the other, keep moving. But there's a lot of value to be found in pausing and noticing when I've come through something that's really tricky. You know, there have been so many moments where I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that. I'm dreading that. I don't know if I'm capable of that. And I have been. And, you know, not just hard things, you know, really good things. The other day I was flicking through some old photos and I was like, wow, that's right. I spoke at so many events one year before this pandemic. You know, I spoke at something like seven events for big brands. I worked with Lorna Jane. I worked with Cotton on Body. I've done some really cool things that I just kind of file away and keep moving forward. But it's nice to stop and pause and think about them. And not even in the sense of work achievements, You know, it was only a couple of weeks ago I was on a walk with my friend and we're talking about red flags when we're dating. And I was saying how, you know, months ago, this is months ago now, I had gone on a date with someone and I was super lit up. I was like, this this was a great date. Like I was so attracted to this person, blah, blah, blah. And then I got on the phone with my friend afterwards. And as I was speaking in real time, as I was saying words, like talking about the date I just had, I literally like mid-sentence was like, oh, fuck, I can't see that person again. I cannot see that person again. And my friend was like, no, you can't. That person is showing you all of these flags that you don't want and not flags that are objectively bad red flags, but flat, but things that are subjective because they're unique to me going, oh, no, Kylie, you've just spent so long saying you don't want that kind of situation And so that growth, acknowledging that growth feels good because it's like, oh, wow, like I have learned, I have learned. And of course, I'm going to make a million more mistakes in different ways. But it's nice to just be cognizant when you do grow and expand a little bit. Next up, self-compassion. I struggle with this so much. I am not good at self-compassion. I'm good at self-care. But self-compassion is a different thing, like really just nurturing myself in a way that I would someone that I love. I'm not great at it. And it's something I've been practicing. And my only in to self-compassion so far has been through guided meditations, but also through really thinking about my inner child and little Kylie. And as silly as that might sound, and for some people, it will sound completely ridiculous and I can relate. I remember when I first started doing inner child work in my 20s, it did not land with me at all. I have such a clear memory of being in a um, appointment in West End and we were tr- this, uh, I don't even know whether she was a psychiatrist or psychologist or hypnosis, like whatever she was, she was trying to get me to engage in some inner child work And I was not having a bar of it. I was like, this is ridiculous. I'm not a child. I don't have an inner child. So I get it if it doesn't land with you. But for me, at this age, at 34, really thinking about that inner child in me that just wants her needs met has helped me practice self-compassion when I get things wrong, when I have not responded in a way that I'm proud of, when I feel so devastated with certain things in life, speaking to myself as like a little child and just being like, oh, you poor thing, like no wonder, you know, oh, you silly little thing, you were just trying to do this and seeing the innocence in it 
has allowed me to access self-compassion for myself, which I haven't been really able to do um, before, before this year. I have an episode hopefully coming up with an expert in self-compassion, so stand by for that one because I can't wait to hear what she has to say. And yeah, as I said, guided meditations have been helpful for me, which is another point. It's my next point. Guided meditations are life-changing. I can meditate without them, but I have to be feeling really good to do that. I have to be good and clear in my head and myself to sit down and meditate on my own. Whereas a guided meditation, regardless of how I'm feeling, even if I don't want to do it, even if I am feeling really stressed or angry or exhausted, I have never done a guided meditation and felt worse. So if you're struggling to, you know, maybe meditate for 10 minutes or 20 minutes a day or whatever it is, just a short, sharp guided meditation can be so, so helpful and it can really set you up for a really productive day. And it can also just help wash away the day. Like we all have days where we get to the end of it and we're like, far out, get this day off me. Like let's wrap it up. And guided meditations have just been so helpful for me. I do one every single night. I do have a free one available on the podcast. If you scroll back, it's a manifesting and end of day one. And again, I know I've already said this twice, but if you want some guided meditations, again, thefray.com. Sign up to that newsletter because there's just going to be some really good stuff coming. I can't say yet what it is, but thefray.com, put your email address in. Sorry, I know I'm broken record, but it's all relevant. Next, having a beginner's mindset and looking at things with fresh eyes. This is something I am always practicing this year in particular when I'm really, really focusing on trying to let go of past conditioning and childhood beliefs that have certainly held me back and certainly impacted the way I have acted as an adult. I've just been really, really mindful of those. And so having a beginner's mindset and fresh eyes is something that's on my mind. So whether it's to do with a skill in the business that I've never had to do before and it is like something I've always told myself, I can't do that, I don't know how to do that, da, 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 all those things, I'm not smart enough. It's going, you know what, let me just look at this with fresh eyes, without an attachment, without a previous judgment, let me have a look, have a beginner's mindset. There are plenty of things in life I have learned. I'm sure I can learn this skill if I come into it with the right attitude. And it's the same with parenting. So much of parenting is about pulling your perspective back and not projecting. There are certain things in my kids that like trigger me and I know when it's triggering me that it's something that's about me. I'm like, oh, that's something I hate in myself. I hate that I'm like that in myself. So it's bothering me that you are showing me that you're reflecting that back to me. And so having fresh eyes and trying to look at something and seeing it as an innocent or the first time, you know, the first time someone's doing something can be helpful, if that makes sense. Last but not least, leaning into things that I just feel are authentically me has been really nice. It's been really, really nice. I think I have lived a lot of my life trying to please and appease others and be really good 
like be a super good girl, super easy, quiet, no fuss, no muss, just, you know, just easy breezy. That's like everything. And so for me now living alone and having a little bit more awareness on certain things, I've really just lent into different parts of my personality that I do feel are authentically me. And it can be silly things. You know, I've spoken before about how like I just love comically sized tea and coffee mugs, just love them, you know, and I've been in situations in the past where it just wasn't um, encouraged, you know, as, as silly as that sounds. And like even doing my dance workouts, my Tracy Anderson workouts and literally doing them in a swimsuit with my ankle weights, it reminds me of being a little kid in my dance leotards and moving my body in a way that just feels, you know, different to how I would move it in every other scene and setting of life. So things that are, that feel like authentically good to me and just owning them without, without being ashamed, it's been a big one for me. So there are probably hundreds more um, lessons that I have learned and I could share with you here, but I will leave it there because this episode is already long. (laughs) So I hope that you have enjoyed this episode. It would mean the world to me if you do take a screenshot, share it on your Instagram stories, tag me at Kylie Camps, or go ahead and share some of your own lessons from this year whether it's in an Instagram post or Instagram stories, or if you want to email them through, whatever it is, you know what? Come over to the Frey Facebook group. We have a free Frey Facebook group. That's a mouthful. I will put the details in the show notes. Come over and share your lessons in that group. I'm really, really enjoying being over there and I'm doing some more live chats and really trying my best to show up for that community there. So if you enjoy the podcast, this is the place that you want to head to the Frey Facebook group. And as I said, 4 million times throughout this episode, head to thefrey.com, put your email address in. You will not regret it. I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. This is what I want. This is what I need. If you don't have to go, I can set you free. Are you going to make a move? Are you going to come and see? Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. 
And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 